Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I think one of Satan's tricks is to keep those that are not converted thinking that they are converted. So you die lost. Thinking that because I, I raised my hand one day or I went down the altar one day, I'm saved. We'll see that the evidence of a transformed life is that we walk away from sin, we depart from iniquity. So if I'm continuing iniquity and growing in sin, it's hard to see that pattern and say that I've been converted, I've been transformed, that God's taken up residence in my heart and I'm not the same person anymore. It is easy to get swept in the moment of an altar call and say, yes, I believe. However, if you continue to live your life just as before, perhaps you weren't truly converted. Today, Pastor Bill will encourage you to examine your life and determine if indeed you are saved. Do you desire to walk away from sin? Do you long to know God and His Word? By the conviction of the Holy Spirit, by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you confess and turn away from a continual, habitual life of sin. This is a life truly marked by the salvation of the Lord. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. There's a point at which you realize, hey, they don't want the truth. Um, Paul says, when you get to that point, you walk away. You don't, you don't get wrapped up uh, in, in disputing and debating uh, endlessly for nothing. So shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And it says, and their message will spread like cancer. Um, one of the things about the false teachers, he said, man, the message they spread. Why do they spread? How come? I wish the gospel spread like cancer. And the word here they use for cancer really means gangrene. Um, and it's just something that it, it takes over. And it rots everything that it that, that every it just starts rotting and rotting and rotting on its way out. He says it, it takes over like a cancer, like a gangrene. Um, why does it do that? How come the false teachings seem to thrive? Um, because there's usually something in a false teaching that appeals to man's um, flesh. Um, when I look at the prosperity gospel, I'm like, why is that so prevalent? It, it, it's, it's interesting that the prosperity gospel is most prevalent in areas where people are poor, uh, where people don't have. Um, you go to the, your inner city, prosperity gospel, because people that are broke want some money. On third world countries, Africa, and these places where they don't have much, Nigeria, the, the prosperity gospel is on fire because these people that don't have much, the hope and the dream of becoming rich through God is, is appealing to their flesh. And so those ministries seem to be blowing up, but they're not blowing up with people that fall in love with Jesus. These people are being taught to see Jesus as a sort of a genie. That if I love Jesus, if I praise him high enough, if I give to him enough, then I'll get for myself. And so we, we don't, we don't want to become that, right? We, we want to avoid uh, becoming that kind of a, uh, a group or getting wrapped up in those sorts of things. Uh, Paul says, look, the, the message is spread like cancer, spread, spread like gangrene. Why, that's why it's so important for Timothy that he be a man that walk in the truth, that he study the truth, know the truth and preach the truth because he's going to be coming against that his whole ministry. Um, same thing. I mean, I look at what I get to do. That's constantly something that I run into people. And, and we in one sense, we believe in Jesus. We love the Lord. But then over here, we have, we have a vast disagreement about why we come to the Lord and what we do for the Lord and what the Lord desires of us. And so Paul's instructing Timothy. He says, though, you're going to see it. It's, it's not different then is it, than it is now. Those messages are going to spread like gangrene. He names two of the guys. He said um, their message will spread like cancer. Hymenius and Philetus are of this sort 
who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past and they overthrow the faith of some. So their false doctrine here is listed that they were saying that the, the resurrection had already passed. What would that do to believers? They wouldn't be looking for the Lord's return. Um, it would impact their, their, their view on a lot of different things. It was a false doctrine. He names them out. So how do you feel about the fact that Paul names these guys? He calls them by name. Their names are in scripture for all eternity. Hymenius and Philetus. With all the Bible names, I've met Titus. I've met John. I've met James. I've met Peters. I've not met Hymenius and Philetus. Um, at, I, I haven't met a Jezebel. <laughs> you know, I, there's some Bible names that you just don't see. You know, nobody names. You don't have a little Judas up in children's ministry. You know, um, these names are here for all eternity. Some people think it's wrong. We shouldn't name names. You shouldn't call that man's name from the pulpit. I wonder because Paul does it all the time. Paul's like, put them on blast. And I was going over that this week. You know, I've, I've talked to several different pastors, uh, which, you know, they hear their different views on it. Um, some guys just say, no, nah, I stay away from that. You know, it's kind of touchy. Um, other people don't have no problem calling names in the pulpit. And I was reading this and I'm saying, okay, God, why did he call the name? Like, is, is it something we should do? Um, should we call these people out? Should we put them on blast? One thing is this. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Paul, the apostle, putting these people out. For those that knew Paul was legit, Paul had labeled them. You guys know these guys ain't about nothing. Don't get wrapped up with them. Um, I hope it brought them shame. I hope that I hope when they heard that their names was being written in the, the letters to Timothy and read to the churches that they were ashamed of what they were, were doing. But I, I guess this as a pastor, or a shepherd, Paul was now protecting the flock. He's I've identified these guys as not legit. Don't go there. Don't listen to them. They, their doctrine that the resurrection has already passed is false. And he didn't have he didn't apologize for naming them. Paul doesn't say, well, I was I had, he didn't he don't look like he stayed up all night considering whether he should do so. He just named them. So. So because of that, I don't think it's necessarily wrong. If I know that there's someone that a lot of people are listening to and they're false, um, I don't believe it would be necessarily wrong to name them, to say, hey, that guy is false. If you're going to identify what the false doctrine is, Paul names him and says, this is what he's teaching that the resurrection has already passed. That is a critical doctrine, right? We're looking for the resurrection. Uh, we're, we're, we're waiting for the Lord. We're waiting for, he's talking about the resurrection where we're gonna be caught up. We're gonna go to be with the Lord. The dead in Christ will rise first. Um, that hasn't happened yet. If that has happened, then we're no longer waiting on the return of, of Christ. We're no longer waiting on Christ to, to catch us up to be with him. Uh, it changes our end time view, a whole bunch of different things. So Paul says, that's false doctrine, that these guys are going around. It's spreading like cancer, but it's false. These two guys are two guys that are teaching it. And it says this, um, they have strayed concerning the truth, saying again that, that the resurrection has already passed and they overthrow the faith of some. The result of their teaching is that some people's faith is being overthrown. Now, just real quick on that. If someone's faith is overthrown, um, were they saved and they lost it or were they not saved? And they were learning, they were believing, and they were, if your faith can be overthrown, were you saved in the first place? And so I, I don't want to, I don't want to make y'all say, I think you can, I think you can, but just tell you, right? If your faith can be overthrown, it was never solid in the first place. Um, I don't believe that a genuine faith in God, a saving faith can be overthrown. Uh, Jesus says, I, 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 none that are in my hand, I haven't lost any of them. Right. When I belong to him, when I've come to him, he doesn't lose any of those that are, that are his. The verse I always look to in first John, 
Um, 1 John 2, I believe it was 16 or 19, 19, I believe. And he says, they went out from us. Well, they were not of us. They went out from us that they might be made manifest and none of them were of us. The fact that they left was evidence that they were not really of us in the first place, even though they were around for a while. And so maybe you know people that, man, they were really on fire and they were coming, they were going all the time and then they just fell away. And they've been gone for 10 years. I don't call that person backslidden. That ain't backslidden. You just, you, 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 that's too long of a slide. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think you've backslid for 10 years, but you were saved and secure all that time. Because then it, it wouldn't seem to make sense where the Bible says that no fornicator is going to inherit the kingdom. No drunkard is going to inherit. If you're living a consistent lifestyle of sin, the Bible says that you will not inherit the kingdom. So I'd rather tell you that and have you repent and get saved than to have you thinking, well, I'm just backslidden. But if I get I mean, but when I was 10, I did go down to the altar. So I'm really I'm saved. Just got eventually going to come back to the Lord. I think that that's one of Satan's tricks for people that didn't really make a commitment to the Lord, haven't really had a true conversion. Um, I think one of Satan's tricks is to keep those that are not converted thinking that they are converted. So you die lost, thinking that because I, I raised my hand one day or I went down the altar one day, I'm saved. We'll see that the evidence of a transformed life is that we walk away from sin, we depart from iniquity. So if I'm continuing iniquity and growing in sin, it's hard to see that pattern and say that I've been converted, I've been transformed, that God's taken up residence in my heart and I'm not the same person anymore. And so uh, let's keep it moving. He says um, in verse 19, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those that are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And so he says, look, nevertheless, even though the faith of some has been overthrown, he says, nevertheless, is the Lord knows those who are his. God knows those that belong to him. So we're going to have two pieces here. We're going to have a divine piece. God's looking down saying, I know those that are mine. And then there's a part from more of an earthly perspective. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. God knows those that are his. How do you know that you're his? You've departed from iniquity. God says the solid foundation of God stands having this seal that the Lord knows those that are his. And then we're told this, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart. If you name in the name of Jesus, if you're saying, I am a Christian, I am a believer, I am, I have given my life to Christ. So let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. It doesn't mean you'll be perfect. It doesn't mean you'll be sinless. It doesn't mean that you'll never make a mistake again. But anybody here that has a past, anybody here who has a real conversion, you'll look at a point in your life where you lived in sin and you'll see another point in your life where no, I surrendered my life to the Lord. I no longer walk that way. I'm still human. I still fall and get up, but I'm not walking that way anymore. And so we should see that in our life. If you don't see that, I would challenge you that you need to be converted. You need to be born again. Um, Paul says, look, that, that let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And throughout scripture, when we see a, a distinction made between saved and lost, the issue with those that are still lost is that they're still sinning. In Matthew chapter seven, right, there are people that stand before God when it's too late to get saved. They thought they were saved because they were doing some good stuff. And Jesus tells them this. He says, depart from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness, that you guys are still living in a, you practice sin. You live in a, a habitual pattern of sin. I never knew you. You were never saved in the first place. And so now, again, not that we're going to be perfect. I don't want to put a trip on somebody. If you're saved, you still blow it. 
um, but it's not your pattern. Um, my life before I got saved, there was a pattern of, of habitual alcohol, habitual sexual sin, habitual lying, habitual thievery, and just other junk. That was the, that was the pattern. Then I got saved, turned around, started going this way. Um, now, on this path right here, it's a total different direction. There are things on that list that don't apply at all anymore. Um, if I do blow it in the area, I get right back up. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is there. My, that, I'm, I'm nothing like that guy. I, I know that my life has been transformed and I'm moving in a, a new direction and have been for some time. That's what we're looking for in our life, that we can say, I know I've been born again. I, I know that I, I made a U-turn at some point. So um, we're looking for that. That's what Paul is pointing out here. Let, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Then verse 20, he gives this illustration. He says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. So he says, look, in this great house, uh, the house is speaking of the, the, the church, the worldwide church of God, the, the believers worldwide. In a great house is there are two types of vessels. There are vessels of gold and silver. Those are the honorable vessels of if you got gold and silver vessels, those are special those are the ones you put out when, you know, when special company comes. Those are the good stuff. And this is also some of, of wood and clay. Um, those are not special. Those are not the those aren't the ones you, you're putting forth, you know, on, on the good table or whatever. Um, and it says some for honor and some for dishonor. And there's differences of opinion on this. Does that mean that there's a different classes of believers? Are there some believers that honor God and some that don't? This is what it, this is what it works like. There are people that name the name of Christ that live in such a way that they're a vessel unto honor, that their life is being used, their life is being used to honor the Lord. They bring honor, they bring glory to God through the way that they live their life. There are also some vessels that are in the church that they bring dishonor to the Lord, that the way that those people live, the things that they do as their name in the name of Christ, they actually bring dishonor. And so he says, look, in a great house, you got both. We know that in the, we know that always in the church you have present believers and non-believers. We know always we know that the wheat and the tare they grow up together. They look just alike until harvesting time, just about. And so we know that's the case. And so he said, "Look, in a great house, they're both vessels." So what you can consider about your life is: Does my life bring honor and glory to the Lord, or does it bring dishonor to God? Um, those that are watching you, those that inspect you, those that see how your life is lived, your children, your neighbors your friends, your co-workers, whatever, whoever's watching you and knows you're a Christian, does your life bring honor to the Lord? Does it bring dishonor? Um, because again, in this great house called the church, there are both. There are vessels of honor. There are vessels that, of dishonor, things that bring dishonor. I, just think about that. A vessel that brings, it, 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 notice that neither vessel is neutral. It either honors God or it brings dishonor. There's no vessel in the middle that does nothing. Uh, there's not a vessel that, Honor, dishonor, and just no honor at all either way. It's one or the other. That's always the way it is with the Lord. Hot, cold, for me, against me. Honor, dishonor, save, lost. There's no middle ground with the Lord. There's no fence. There's no, you know, there's no safe place in the middle where I'm neither one or the other. It's one or the other. And so what are you? What am I? Is our life bringing honor to God to bring dishonor? We want our lives to be bring honor to the Lord. And um, so... It has everything to do with how we live our life. The next thing he says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself of the latter, he will be a vessel for honor. And it goes on to list some things, sanctified, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. 
So what, what is he saying first? If anyone cleanses himself of what? I believe if anyone cleanses himself of the latter is speaking of the iniquity. You, you've cleansed yourself. You're no longer walking in a dishonorable way. Um, you're, you're no longer walking in sin, anything else. God says, you, anyone cleanses himself of the latter says, then he will be a vessel for honor. And it goes on the list what that looks like. First of all, sanctify. The word sanctify means to be set apart by God for God. He'll be sanctified. God will set you apart for his use. Um, how special is that that God would say, I would, I would set you apart for my special use. Um, take your life and set it apart. I got a special plan. I got something I want to do just with you. Um, most of us here have things that are just ours. You have things you share, but everybody here has things that are just yours. Um, you know, in my house, there's a lot of things that are shared, but my toothbrush is just mine. I don't expect to come in and see somebody else. Much as I love all my family, I don't expect to come in and see somebody bumping their gums with my toothbrush. I'd be, that's my toothbrush. That's a, it's kind of personal. Um, you know, there are things that are, that's, that's set apart for me, by me, just for me. That's, that's my toothbrush. There are other things of the sort. When I was in high school, I just, I'll never forget this. It scarred me, but I came home one day and my sister had taken my boxers and was wearing them. She was in the house. And, I'm, and I remember just looking like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I can't take them off her right there, but I'm like, no, don't ever wear, no, that's, that is, those are special. Those are just for me. Those go on my bottom only. You know, it was, I felt so violated. Those are, those are just for my use. Not that I don't want to share underwear with anybody ever in my life. And so God says, I, I, I don't want to share you. I want you to be set apart by me and for me. That's why he says, look, if you're going to be a vessel for honor for me, right? If I'm going to set you apart from my use, you need to depart from some things. You need to depart from iniquity. You need to depart from sin. You need to depart from those things that would end up bringing dishonor. And then I'll set you apart. And so I'd ask you all to consider here, is there any sin in your life that you're aware of that would keep you from being someone God could say, I'm going to set you apart for my use? Is there any life dominating sin? Is there any sin and secret that's a hindrance between you and the Lord? Is there anything there that God would say, I want you to depart from that? Um, because as you depart from the latter, God said you'll be sanctified. You'll be a vessel for honor, sanctified, set apart by me, for me. God wants exclusive rights, exclusive use of your life. Then it says you'll be useful to the master. Who doesn't want to be useful to the master? I want to be useful to the master. Um, but a God says you got to come a certain kind of way. Everybody's not going to be useful to me, but you could be sanctified, set apart by God for God. You could be useful to the master. The third thing it says, prepared for every good work. God says, I'll prepare you for every good work. That's this is awesome to me. God didn't just say, I'm going to throw you out there. I'll prepare you for every good work. I'll set you apart. You'll be useful in my hands and I'll prepare you for the things I'm going to send you to do. I'll, I'll make sure you're ready for whatever I call you to do, whatever I, I'll prepare you for every good work. Those are all the things God says he'll do if we just cleanse ourselves. We just cut out whatever would have been a hindrance in our life. And then he gives Timothy some instruction on what to flee and what to what to pursue. He says, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now, again, Timothy's probably in his 30s, but in that time, that's considered a young man. And it says, Timothy, flee youthful lust. Run away from the, the lust, the things that people are going after that are not of me. Um, go, run away from those things. There's some stuff that God would say, flee. Um, not casually, like, oh, I'm going to just try to get away a little bit. 
Um, anybody here ever been ran from something you were afraid of? Um, it just I mean you were afraid and you ran. I mean, that's what it is. The flee is not a it's not a leisurely like, OK, well, maybe I won't go there this time. Fleeing is it's, it's a, there's panic involved. There's it's intense. There's panic. It, it'd be like if if you walked out here in the parking lot and you saw just some big old dog or something coming one night when we were in our, our old house, uh, I came up to my house at night. I parked. And as I got out and I'm walking to my door, I see this big white. I don't know if it was a bulldog. It was a, a full size, like an American bulldog, but it was running down the street. I don't know the dog. I don't know whose it is, but it was big. I, I, I looked at I looked at my door and I looked at my car. I was closer back to my car, ran back to my car and chirped it and, and sat back in my car. And I'm looking out the window and now the dog is there looking like, you know, you got, later on, I find out the dog is friendly. And then some kids down the street owned it. But I fleed. I didn't jo- I didn't walk back to my car. At least I, I booked. I mean, it, you know, I ran. I run back to my car and I got in it and waited till that thing was gone because I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know what it was or what it was going to do. And so when he tells Timothy, flee youthful lust, think about the things that, again, people lust after and they go after. The lust of you guys says, flee from that, man. Run from it. Um, don't participate in it. Don't hang around it. Run away from it. Then he says this. It's not enough for the believer to get away from bad. He said, but pursue what's good. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. And then he says, who to pursue it with? With other people that are calling on the Lord out of a pure heart. And so it does matter to God who you hang out with. Um, What I've seen over the years, one of the biggest hindrances to individual spiritual growth is that they stay connected to people that are spiritually dead. And maybe you have relationships. Well, I grew up with them. I've known them since we were friends. Good. Be a witness to them. But there comes a point where you got to pull away. Um, if you want to write these verses down, you know, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, God warns. He says, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character, good morals. Evil company corrupts good morals. God says, look, don't be deceived into thinking you can hang out with people that are living wrong and, and not rub off on you. You hang out long enough with the wrong people, your language will mess up. You'd be like, man, I don't even talk like that. But now I'm talking like that. I don't usually think like that. Now I'm thinking like that. I don't usually consume that. Now I don't consume some of that. You're hanging out with the wrong people. And so God says, don't be deceived. Be careful who you hang out with. Don't just not hang out with bad people. God says, find you some people that are calling on me out of a pure heart. You guys will burn together. Anybody here that's got good fellowship in your life, you got people that you hang out with that love the Lord. They, you, you fellowship with them a little bit and you feel pushed. I got people that I talk to and I hang out with. I get done, I feel like doing more. I feel like, man, God just, I feel stirred up in God through the interaction, through the fellowship, through the hanging out. Nobody was, it wasn't something we got on each other's case. It wasn't that we, we challenged one another. We just fellowship. We talked about God. We talked about what God's doing in my life and his life and back and forth. And I get off the phone or I get out, out of that interaction. I just, man, I want to, I want to go further. It's just, it has a positive impact on my walk with the Lord. God says, find them people. And when you identify those people, that's who you choose. When you got choices, you don't get to choose who you work with. You don't get to choose who you sit next to at school. But when you decide who you're going to hang out with in your leisure, find you some people that are good for you, that love the Lord. God says, pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Find you some people like not just some people that go to church, too, because everybody here knows some people that go to church, too, that ain't about nothing either. So find you some people that are calling on the Lord out of a pure heart, their sincerity in their heart as they call out to the Lord. And God says, get together with them. Hang out with them. Timothy is going to be important 
as you serve me and live for me, who you hang out with is going to be a big deal. I found that to be true in my life, that it's a big deal who my friends are, who I, who I hang out with, who I spend my leisure time with. It does matter. The book of 2 Timothy is our latest recorded words from Apostle Paul. It was written towards the end of his life. Although he could have slowed down, Paul never stopped serving God. He left a legacy of reaching towards the goal of heaven, and he encouraged Timothy, and by extension, you, to do the same. Are you continuing to seek ways to serve the Lord? Are you asking for his purpose to become yours and for his guidance to be all you listen to? Never let your faith plateau or even fade. God has plans for all of your life. We're so glad you tuned in today to A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill will continue his teaching through the book of 2 Timothy next time you join us. But in the meantime, you can access more of these messages at CalvaryInglewood.org and on our Calvary Chapel Inglewood app. We'd love to hear from you too. Let us know what God has been doing in your life and how we can be praying for you. Give us a call or send a text to 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. Would you also preferably consider supporting this ministry financially? All gifts are welcome and appreciated, no matter the size. And they help us continue to reach more and more people with the good news of the gospel message. You can find out more at CalvaryInglewood.org or donate through our app. Thanks for praying about this. With that, our time with you is at an end for today. Thanks for tuning in to A Transforming Word.